Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Good Tuesday. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. It's great to be with you again. Glad you're back listening to the show, the only daily Ohio State podcast out there. Please tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a family member's friend, tell a friend's family member, tell them about the show. You can find us on a whole bunch of platforms, all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're on it. So listen, today, I'm a little aggravated, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, all having to do with the attention that this Ohio State-Penn State game is getting. Well, you may be saying, well, Kyle, this game is getting a lot of clum- a lot of run. This game in Columbus on Saturday, it's huge. Everybody's paying attention. ESPN's college game day will be there. Fox will be there, not only for the game coverage, but the pregame coverage will be there in person. BTN Tailgate will be there. So what's the problem? I'll explain that in a minute. I have have my very good reasons for why I'm irritated at this. I will explain, I promise. I'm going to preview what I think will be the third college football playoff rankings coming up this evening. Spoiler, I don't expect big surprises. And Ohio State basketball, back to the winning ways. Get into that later in the show. Also coming up today, since there are a whole lot of people coming up on Lock on Buckeyes this week to preview this game, mine's smarter than me. I'll give my own thoughts and analysis on what I think the biggest keys for this game for Ohio State being able to pull off this huge win, which will decide most likely the Big Ten East race. All coming up today Unlocked on Buckeyes, we are brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. We are also here with support from GoBus with over 40 stops to locations across Ohio with popular destinations like the Hocking Hills, Mohican State Park, and Ohio's big cities. Visit them at ridegobus.com or give them a call, one 888 95 go bus. There is no lack of excitement for this Ohio State Penn State game this week. There's just no two ways about it. It's a huge game. It does mean a lot. It means everything as far as the Big Ten East is concerned. Which of these two teams will be heading to Indianapolis will most likely be decided by this result. Uh, assuming Penn State is not going to beat Rutgers next week, I think it's safe to say that the winner does pretty much clinch the division. We know Ohio State clinches if if they win. If Penn State wins, they don't clinch, but Penn State only has to beat Rutgers, and they're going to Indianapolis. So this is a big game, but it's it's kind of eerie. It's surreal. has a funny feeling because it's getting so much run, despite the fact it's it's a 19-point spread. And that's not having anything to do negatively to Penn State. I think it's a 19-point spread, not because Penn State is lacking as a team. They are, they are still a top-10 team. But we're talking about this game being played at Ohio Stadium, and the Buckeyes have been historically dominant. It's, it's not too often you see almost a three-touchdown spread among top-10 teams. But we have that situation because Ohio State is rolling people. They're, they're flattening people. It's Ohio State's dominance that has us in this position. But because, or despite, 
being a 19-point spread, the world, the college football world, will be watching. It's at noon. There's no competition. ESPN will be there. Fox will be there. BTN will be there. But you know the other reason that all these entities will be there covering it? Because what else are they going to do? Have you looked at the schedule this week? It's terrible. Texas and Baylor is the next best game. There is no there are no other matchups this week on the college football schedule involving top 25 teams. Ohio State and Penn State is it. Texas let me rephrase. If Texas it falls in the top 25 in the college football playoff rankings and I hope for sanity's sake that they don't because if they do I will I will be irate tomorrow on Lock on Buckeyes. I really will. If that four-loss Texas team is still ranked by the by the playoff committee come Tuesday evening, I will be irate. But assuming Texas is booted out of the rankings like we, we think they will or think they should, there are no other top 25 matchups in college football. One of those reasons why is because this is the week of the annual SEC-FCS showdown. It happens every year. You know the one where Alabama is facing Western Carolina, Auburn is facing... uh, I don't even remember. I, I didn't look. LSU is actually playing an SEC opponent this week, but it happens to be one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country in Arkansas. And LSU is like a 46 or 48 point favorite. It's the largest SEC spread ever. We just saw the largest Big Ten spread ever with Ohio State facing Rutgers, and now LSU is facing Arkansas. That's not the SEC's fault. I'm not going to blame that on the SEC scheduling. Who knew that Arkansas would be this bad? Who knew that LSU would be this good? It just kind of worked out that way. So I'm not going to hold, I can't hold everything against the SEC. I can't hold everything against conference scheduling. Sometimes you just wind up with bad matchups. These are scheduled years in advance, which is another pet peeve of mine. It's kind of why I wish that they would make the schedules year to year. That would be a lot better for college football. But that this is my problem. We have Ohio State and Penn State, a 19-point favorite. Everybody is talking about this game because there is nothing else to talk about. They would still be talking about it in a normal week. If we had some other top 25 matchups, this would still probably be the best. But there is nothing else going on. We are in the second to last week of the college football regular season. And this is one of the worst finishes to college football we have ever seen down the stretch. Next week will get better with Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn, etc., Rivalry rivalry week is always a fun time for college football. But this is awful. It's another reason, no offense to any of you out there that say this, not trying to pick a fight with you, but when you say college football's regular season is a playoff, oh my goodness. This is not a playoff. This is preseason type stuff. This is the type of schedule you'd see if college football had exhibition games. It's terrible. How can anybody enjoy this? The scheduling has to change. 
I do realize that this week was a little bit of an isolated incident. It's a little bit of a outlier because because college football had an extra bye week this week, an extra off week, open date, whatever your nomenclature is for that one. There was an extra week off for each team. It's just it's an unfortunate break. It made the scheduling watered down. But we need better than this. So that is why I am irritated, and that's why I'm irate, because it's not that Ohio State-Penn State doesn't deserve attention, but my goodness, it's getting probably more attention than it deserves just because there's no other, there are no other games out there to pay attention to. Anyhow, as far as the playoff is concerned, so tonight the committee will reconvene for the third rankings of the season. You know, newsflash, you're not going to see any difference. Um, LSU, I know a lot of you are frustrated with LSU's defense or lack thereof. They have been exposed, I think, in the last couple weeks. You always hate to say they get exposed against a team like Alabama because Alabama's offense is really good. One of the top three or four offenses in the country for sure. So it's hard to hold that performance against LSU. But when they follow it up against a team like Ole Miss that had 614 total yards, nine yards per play, and ran for over 400 yards, that's a red flag. That right there is screaming out LSU as far as their defense is concerned, has major problems. There's no way in the world, even if you want to give them a pass for the Alabama performance because it was Bama, you can't tell me that Clemson or Ohio State would be giving up 600 yards to Ole Miss. It just would not happen. And the other issue I have is, is the consistency of arguing playoff logic. Just because you're a team that beats a better team than another opponent does. Or if you're LSU, just because you beat Bama, it doesn't mean Clemson or Ohio State couldn't have beat Bama. It doesn't mean they would have beat Bama. And just because you beat that team, it doesn't mean that another team beating a lesser opponent by more automatically can't be deemed to have as quality a win as you had. And I, this is what people that are sticking with the LSU number one argument is doing. You're only sticking at the wins. You're not looking at the frequency of the wins. You're not looking at the quality of the win as far as the eye test, as far as the margin of victory. And you're not applying the logic that, hey, just because you beat the number three team that week, and another team beats the number eight team that week. That doesn't mean you're a better team. That's the most important thing. It just means that given week, you had the benefit of playing a better opponent than the other team did. I think this will take care of itself. I think LSU will be number one. Ohio State will be number two. But because of LSU's issues with their defense, I am making... A solemn promise to you, in my estimation, I'm going out on a limb here. If Ohio State wins out, they will finish the season with three straight top 25 wins. If Ohio State wins out, they will have beaten Penn State, they will have beaten Michigan, and either Wisconsin or Minnesota most likely. 
there's actually a scenario floating out there, technically speaking, that Illinois could win the West, but I'm not going to entertain such nonsense. That's not happening. But if Ohio State beats those three teams, they will have three top 25 wins in a row. LSU, of course, would have potentially a win over Georgia. But I think Ohio State, with a win over Penn State this week, would move back into the number one spot. And I think those three top 25 wins will close the gap as far as resume is concerned, quality of wins. Ohio State would close that gap and add to the already firm eye test advantage that they have. And with LSU failing the eye test defensively, that will keep Ohio State number one the rest of the season if they continue to play this well and win out. Clemson will be number three Tuesday evening. Bama, or I'm sorry, Georgia will be number four. They firmed that number four spot ahead of Bama with the win against Auburn. I think Bama stays number five for right now. The committee will easily move Bama down when it is necessary, but it's not necessary right now. Tua is out. They may hang on to number five if they beat Auburn with Mac Jones at quarterback, but I I don't think it matters. When all is said and done, if Oregon and Utah keep winning, if they play each other in a one-loss Pac-12 championship, the winner of that game will pass Bama. I'm not worried about Bama. They'll stay number five today, but it really doesn't mean much. I think Oregon will be number six tonight. Oklahoma will jump Utah for number seven. Utah will be number eight. And by the way, I don't think this matters. I think Oklahoma has a very, very, very unlikely path to the college football playoff because if Utah wins out, they're going to leapfrog Oklahoma anyhow. Penn State will be number nine. And I think Penn or Minnesota will fall two spots to number 10. It could be Florida, but I think it'll stay Minnesota. So there you have it. I'm going out on a limb. That will be your top 10 for the college football playoff rankings tonight. I don't think you're going to see a lot of change. As I said, Oklahoma may jump up over Utah. But for the most part, the rankings are pretty much going to stay the same with Minnesota dropping just a couple spots. So I'm on record. If Ohio State wins out, wins against Penn State, Michigan, and either Wisconsin or Minnesota, I believe the Buckeyes will be your number one in the college football playoff rankings when it actually matters, which is the end of the regular season. I think Ohio State would be number one. LSU and Clemson would get a deal with one another at two and three in the other semifinal game. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Coming up, I'll talk about my keys for Ohio State beating Penn State this weekend. Coming up this week on Locked on Buckeyes, we have a lot of angles to look at this game from. We'll break down the scheme with Ross Fulton of Buckeye Grove. Look at what Penn State hopes to do offensively and defensively. We've got the opponent preview Coming up with Kevin McGuire of Locked On Nittany Lions as we do a crossover episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we'll also look at the big picture stuff, the the national perspective from Bill Bender of the Sporting News. So we'll tackle this game from every angle, but I want to give my own thoughts on the matchup while I have a chance today. Because I, I think the keys, interestingly enough, for this game are very, very similar on both sides of the ball. Defensively for Ohio State, 
it starts, in my estimation, with containing Sean Clifford. Clifford has been a very up-and-down, back-and-forth, erratic, inconsistent, high-and-low type of quarterback. He's made a lot of impressive throws. I think he's more talented a passer than Trace McSorley, and he has the same kind of versatility, the same kind of escapability, the ability to make big plays with his feet, but he has not been very consistent. When I watched Penn State's win over Indiana last week, the thing that killed Indiana is they got pressure on Clifford, but they could not corral him. He got away too many times. Sometimes sometimes they did not have any spies on him, and, and they were trying to play man defense. And you all know what can happen when you have a a quarterback that is able to run and you're playing man defense. Sometimes you get down covering the routes downfield and you have your back turned. And that happened to Indiana a few times. And then there were other times where they had a spy, but they just failed miserably to contain him even with the spy. So Ohio State has to do a good job. I'm sure that they'll get the pressure. I really do believe that. I think Ohio State, they've been able to get pressure on almost everybody thus far. I think that they will get to Clifford, but they're going to have to contain him as well. Getting pressure is not is only half the battle. You've got to get him down. And so that's really going to be big for Ohio State. This is the Chase Young game. You know Young is going to be fired up. He's going to want to get back into the action. I think that they will get there, but they have to keep him in the pocket and keep it from collapsing and him escaping. So that's the key number one for the defense. Key number two may be a moot point, depending on how things transpire this week. That's keep K.J. Hamler from breaking loose. Ohio State has not given up the big plays, especially to wide receivers this year, but Hamler did really hit them hard last year in the game, and he's somebody that they're going to have to keep contained. Now, we don't know if Hamler's going to play. That's something we'll find out more We'll learn more about as the week goes along. Hamler got a concussion, apparently, reportedly got a concussion in the game against Indiana. He had to leave in the second quarter, never returned in that game. So we'll see what the status is for Hamler. But Ohio State needs to contain him and the other big, big target that Ohio State will need to keep an eye for is little Gronk, they call him. Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. Very, very good player. He's a sophomore. You can see why that they, they draw the drunk comparisons. Aside from the fact he wears number 87, he, he has a lot of drunk in him. He's a very good player. But I will say this. If Penn State cannot have Hamler go in this game, I'm not sure that they have another uh, enough weapons to beat Ohio State. Their run game has been okay. It's been consistent. They, they have three... Really good running backs in Journey Brown and Noah Kane and Devin Ford. So they're deep at running back. They have a lot of guys that can come in and get important carries for them. But they have not been a big run play offense. Their offensive line has still been inconsistent. That's something we've been saying about Penn State for the last couple of years. So Ohio State's defense, we'll see what happens with Hamler, but contain Clifford and they have to keep Fryermuth from from moving, moving around and making a little a lot of big plays on them. Now, as far as the defensive side, or as far as the offensive side of the ball against the Penn State defense, on the other side of the ball, 
with Ohio State on offense against this defense. It, everybody knows about Penn State's front seven, and it's kind of interesting because Ohio State kind of has, for me, the same keys on offense as they do defense. It's just in reverse. They have to contain that pass rush by Penn State. I thought in this game against Indiana, the secondary got absolutely torn to shreds by the Hoosiers early in the game. I thought the secondary played a lot better in the last three quarters, but I also thought Penn State's pass rush really dictated the game, and Indiana had to get the ball out quicker. They did a lot of shorter routes, shorter passing routes, and they were able to nickel and dime Penn State and move the ball at times, but it wasn't with the big plays that they had seen earlier in the game. That pass rush for, for Penn State, if there's one weakness, you know I've been talking about with Ohio State all year, it's pass pro. It's the blitzing. It's the, the edge rush. They have to get better at that, and Penn State will bring it. Gross Matos is a big-time edge rusher. Shaka Tony on the other side of the ball is a really good edge rusher, and then the linebackers are, are insanely good. Cameron Brown, Micah Parsons especially. This is a very, very talented front seven. In my opinion, it's probably the best that Ohio State has faced this year. I think Wisconsin had the best all-around defense, but I think in sheer talent in that front seven, I think this Penn State team is the best they've faced. So on offense, Ohio State has to protect Justin Fields, especially early downs. You don't want to get down on this defense. You don't want to get into third and long situations, third and seven, third and ten, third and 12, despite how good the Buckeyes have been this year, you don't want to find yourself in that situation against this defense where they can tee off and bring extra guys, five, six guys at a time. So that's not an ideal situation to be in. So to recap for me, when I'm looking at the keys to this game, it has to do with pass rush on both sides of the ball. Get to Sean Clifford defensively, keep him contained and bring him down. Offensively, Keep Justin Fields upright and don't allow the Penn State pass rushers to get to him. Those are my keys. As I said, we have a lot going on here on Lockdown Buckeyes this week. I'll bring in Ross Fulton to talk scheme, Bill Bender to get the big picture, and Kevin McGuire of Locked On Nittany Lions and I will be doing some crossover work later this week. I'm really excited. As I said, big game. Despite the 19-point spread, it's still a big game. The coverage is great. It's, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to see it be talked about on all these networks. I just wish the college football had a little bit better scheduling than this being the only highlight of the entire week. Coming up next segment, we'll talk some Buckeyes basketball as Ohio State wins number four. They are ranked number 10 now in the AP poll. They tore Stetson to shreds on Monday night. I'll recap that game in just a moment. Ohio State basketball moved to 4-0 and on the season Monday night with an 86-51 win over Stetson. No, that is a basketball team, a college in Florida, a university in Florida. It is not the Cologne. I made a lot of Cologne jokes on Twitter. I promise I will resist the urge to add to them here on the podcast. But nonetheless, Ohio State did come up with a 35-point win and it really wasn't that close. Ohio State was up 42-14 at halftime. At one point, they were up, I think, 46 points in this game. They emptied the bench really early. At the under-8 media timeout, they had 
one to two walk-ons in this game, and the starters were completely out. So Ohio State just kind of put cruise control on here to end the game, and they come up with another win. This is your number 10 Ohio State Buckeyes, by the way. Ohio State earlier in the day got moved into the top 10 of the latest AP poll. And with that, by the way, Ohio State, it's the first time since the second week of December 2013 that Ohio State's football team and basketball team have both been ranked in the top 10 in the same poll. So that is a big thing for Ohio State basketball to get notoriety. I know Chris Holtman probably cares zilch zero zip about being ranked number 10 right now in November. At this point in the season, it doesn't mean a lot, but it is some good recognition for the basketball program that is much deserved, especially after that win they had against Villanova this past week. Now, looking at this basketball team, there's not a lot to analyze as far as the win over Stetson. It was not a good team. Ohio State took care of business. At one point, with like three minutes left in the half, Ohio State was looking at possibly tying a a pretty incredible record in that with three or four minutes left in the half, Stetson only had one field goal made. And that, by the way, is the record for fewest field goals made in a half of a Division I basketball game. But they wound up getting three more in the last couple minutes of the half, so Ohio State was not able to tie that record. For the game, though, Stetson wound up only making 16 of 57 shots, which is the fourth consecutive time that Ohio State has held its opponents under 20 made field goals in a game. So the Ohio State defense is every bit as good so far as we've come to expect from Chris Holtman's teams. And with Andre Wesson being back Monday night, that is going to just continue to get better. These freshmen I think we'll continue to get better defensively. DJ Carton is already there. EJ Lydell is already there, but they have room for improvement. And when you bring along guys like Lonzo Gaffney and Ibrahima Diallo, who got a lot of time in this game as well, they can wind up being productive bench players going forward for the Buckeyes. So defensively, we know this team is most likely going to be really good. They're top five so far in adjusted efficiency. Very, very early start to the season. Still a lot of time for that to change, but I expect that this will be a top 10 defense going forward. But where I really am impressed with this Ohio State team, not just what they did to Villanova, the spurtability is one thing. The playing inside out with Caleb Wesson is another. The ability to make shots from a lot of different guys really helps, but it's that balance right now. They have, so far in four games, have had 14 different guys go for double figures in a single game. But what's impressive is none of them have scored more than 15 in a game. And only one has gotten more than 14. So you're looking at a lot of guys scoring between 8 to 14 points every single night out. That is a great thing for Ohio State going forward. It's a great sign for this Ohio State basketball team because it means you're not relying on any one player. Two years ago, Ohio State was really good, but they were also relying on Keita Bates-Diop. If he didn't give them 20 in a given night efficiently, they were likely going to lose to a, a better team. This year, Ohio State has eight different guys, nine different guys. If Musa Jallo gets back, maybe 10 different guys. 
that on any given night can give you 10 to 15 points and make big plays and big shots to win. I, you know, it, it's early, and I don't want to say this is definitely a top 10 team because really we don't know a lot. It's only been four games into the season. We're not even into December yet. We still have December, January, and February to go before we get into the home stretch of the college basketball season. But I will say this. To me, this really looks like the makings of a top 10 team. I don't think the ranking, despite how little data we actually have, I don't think it's a fluke. And I think it is uh, properly analyzing where this team is right now as a basketball team. They have depth. They have athletes. They have shooters. They have scorers. They have defenders. They have rebounders. They have a little bit of everything. It is a really well-blended, well-mixed team. It's it's one that you can put 10 different guys out there and play 20 minutes each, and I think you'd still have a really productive evening against a good team. So Ohio State basketball, easy win against Stetson. What we saw against Stetson, look, it doesn't tell us a lot about Ohio State, but what we've seen in four games with this balance and depth and the ability to shoot and score in different ways, as well as the way they defend. Very exciting times if you're an Ohio State basketball fan. That's going to wrap it up for Locked on Buckeyes. Stay tuned tomorrow. We should have Ross Bolton coming up to preview Ohio State-Penn State. Later this week on Wednesday, we also have uh, we also have Bill Bender, the Sporting News. We'll talk some big picture stuff, college football playoff, what he thinks of Ohio State-Penn State, and Kevin McGuire and I will preview the game from all different perspectives later on this week. Can't wait. Make sure you follow Locked on Buckeyes on Twitter, at Locked on Buckeyes. Singular, I'm on Twitter, at KYLAM8. Follow the show on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or just say, play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. That's going to do it for Locked on Buckeyes today. Stay tuned tomorrow. Appreciate you listening, everybody.